Tweet at SFM Radio and at Patricia N. Dooley. We're going to be joined uh, by Mama Ashantiwa Archer Ngiti, who's the director of the Institute of Africology. Um, Mama, let, let me try to speak tweet to you. Uh, you know, I'm, I, 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 this is a beautiful language, so I'm going to try my best and say, Etise, Mama Shantua. Etise, uh, pra, pra, pra. Thank you. Missy Medasi, Mama. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> so, uh. um, Mama, before we go further, I'd like us to speak about uh, the Institute of Africology, its origins. I know that in uh, 2005, this is where you kickstarted the Institute. But mm-hmm. uh, I'd like you to give us a background of where you have come from uh, up until today, before we get into Black History Month. Wonderful. So let me say it is Black Our Story Month. It's not his story. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to change the narrative around our story. I was actually being reminded today in the Africology Youth Forum that this is now our 20th year of uh, Africology in the works. So we've been working... Uh, Africology comes from a study of the 1960s of black American, uh, putting together an epistemology around how we study ourselves and how we define the study of ourselves. But it only got consolidated in South in in Africa, in Uganda, with Dr. Nabuderi, Danny Nabuderi, writing the African epistemology of Africology, which is the total study of Africa for Africans, about Africans. So it, it, it's been a beautiful journey. and um, It has been. Have, have South Africans and Africans within the continent uh, taken up to um, uh, Africology? Absolutely. Um, one of the things that made me so proud today was we had people from uh, the African diaspora youth, uh, your other young people from the continent, putting themselves onto the Africology Youth Division. And, and the momentum is building because, you know, our young people are saying, we don't just want to be quoting, we don't just want to read a book, we want to find ways in which we can enhance our experience of our Africanness. So we have been very encouraged um, with the way how young people have just come to the fore and are willing to just you know, with, with with many aspects of who they are, the music, the hip-hop, the reggae, the whatever it is, they've been able to come together to just make sure that, you know, um, Africology becomes part of their psyche, becomes part of their, 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 their operandus, you know, the way they operate. And, and so I'm very encouraged that in South Africa, the momentum is building more than ever. A-teamers, uh, please do join in on the conversation as we celebrate Black History Month. And uh, we are talking to Mama Shantiwa Archangidi, who's the director of the Institute of Africology. Ask your questions around Black History Month or give your comments. Um, tell us what are the things that make you proud to be black and African? Um, what are the historical moments uh, from the diaspora, from uh, the continent that you um, resonate with the most? The number two dial is 011 
0614-214-2006. You can also WhatsApp on 0614-104-107. SMSs go to 41391. Now, with regards to decolonizing education, do you feel yes. that we are doing the, the, the right things? Are we, are we getting there as a continent um, in ensuring that our history or our story is being told correctly? Uh, we have a long way to go. Remember, we are talking about a thousand years of of invasion, of bombardment, a thousand years of uh, uh, miseducation, a thousand years of keeping us in, of of pushing us in a place where we we can't even recognize what is our true tradition, what is our true culture, what is our true, uh, you know, languages. So, um, in terms of decolonization. Uh, we we haven't even begun to scratch the surface. Um, there's been significant noise made about it, but you know when we talk about decolonization, first of all, the people who are supposed to decolonize the minds of our youth also need work to be done on on themselves. And so we we know that as the Institute of Africology, it will take us a while. And this is why you notice that for Black Our Story, our concentration this month is really about the children. Because we believe if we can catch them young, if we can embed a few things. You know, today when we were doing spelling the, spelling the, the word Africa, um, so, many young, so many of the children in grade 3, 4, and 5 could not do it. Because, you know, it's not part of the... the the teaching pedagogy that as you are teaching you infuse knowledge about the continent that they belong to so we are trying to undo that and to make sure that our children have more enhanced knowledge of who they are so that they can relate in their african selves to whatever is being taught in the normal day-to-day teachings you know um whatever it is that they are being taught they are able to think but i'm an african you know Where's the African biologist? Where's the African chemist? Where's the African philosopher? Things like that. Children will begin, by the time they get to high school, through Africology program, they'll begin to start questioning. So why is this being taught when we know otherwise? You know, so that's part of the work that we're doing in decolonization. But we have not even begun to scratch the surface. You know, as you're talking about uh, scratching the surface, I'm thinking about the fact that Black History Month is a celebrated um, and because it originated in the United States, celebrated there, celebrated uh, in the UK, in Canada, in Ireland, in the Netherlands. It's observed, it's celebrated. But when we go into the USA, we know that one of the subjects in their um, basic education is American history. You come to South Africa as a student when I was still in uh, basic education and I look at what my children are being taught right now. There's no South African history per se that has the narrative that is inclusive. So how can we then in making sure that our story is, is taught to our children not only in sessions from at the Institute of Africology, but from the government perspective, that we get the right narrative. Children don't just know who the current ministers are and the current presidents are, but they understand the African narrative. Yes. Um, again, uh, I think it's, it's alternative institutions like the Institute of Africology 
that must be consistent, must be clear on the mandate because, you know, one of the things that we have found in dealing with the mainstream education, there's a pushback because people think that when we talk about studying ourselves, we're talking about going back into the, the round, going back into, into grass and, and skins. We're saying that we understand the time we're in. We understand what imperialism and colonization has done. But that does not excuse us from reflecting and from reaffirming that we come from a history of greatness. And, and you know, when I think about what children are learning now, there is more European history being taught in the history classes about Hitler, about have nothing to do with the African experience. And so we have to have a deliberate way in which we're doing. But in saying so, my sister, I want to say that it is the parents. The parents must take responsibility. A simple thing as, is it a gazelle? What is your, your, your clan name? What does it represent? What is your totem? You know, once you start with that with a child, the child starts questioning, so mama, umkulo, ugogo, they come from where? What did they do? You know, so, so we, cannot, we cannot rely on the history books that are given to our children to be the main reservoir, the main place they go to tap into who they are. By the time a child gets into high school, the parents would have done such good work on them that when they get into the classroom, they have no doubt on civil what is truth and what they've heard at home. And those are some important aspects, my sister, that we must take control of. Parents have to take control of what history is being taught to the children. Now, Kat is asking a question here via WhatsApp. She says, isn't decolonization of education a bit of a paradox? It isn't formal education a colonial concept? And she's correct. Formal education is a colonially um, extract, it's one that, unfortunately, um, most patients of the world, you know when you have been beaten down and you've had to accept what the conquered, you know, you have to be accepting as a conquered people um, that, you know, we have to use the language of English or French as the medium of, of graduating from a university. So, Kat is correct. Um, and, you know, I was saying today in one of the discussions I had with a sister from Nigeria where she was asking me about how can we undo some of these so-called formal education. And I remind her in, in that, you know, Africans, the way we, we taught, the way we were able to do work as children was that you were given a responsibility and your responsibility came with accountability and your accountability and, and responsibility had consequences if not performed in the way it should to benefit the community. So these are some of the things that we now know that albeit there is going to continue, be continuous formal education, we must find ways which others have shown that they have done it. You know, and I hate comparing ourselves to the Muslim madrasa, the Jewish uh, Torah classes, but they have shown with precedence that there is no excuse for an African parent when we say Africology says bring your child to the Africology uh, 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 Sankore classes on a Saturday. 
There is no excuse for a parent to say, ah, I don't have time. We must find time because these children are the children who are seeking knowledge of themselves. And, 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 and they are using technology to make sure that they know. So parents who have children in school now must wake up. They must catch a wake-up call to know that it's not okay to just send in your children to a formal education and not finding ways to bring them into what we call the African enabling education because that's what we want to do with this. Mm. We want to enable our children to be stronger, to stand in their dignity, to be okay in their skin, to make sure that their mind is, is clear on what is being taught and how they are able to to negotiate in these so-called modesty schools, private schools, and even the governmental ones. So, let me, Mama, let me go to Aisha. Um, she's been holding on the line. I'd okay, like her Aisha. to uh, also come in. Aisha, good evening. Good evening, Patricia. Good evening, uh, Ashantewa. You are food for my soul. Hello? Okay, it seems like we've lost Mama Ashantua. Um, Aisha, let me go to a bit of a break. Please just hold the line so that she can okay. be able to hear your comment. A-teamers, we are talking Black History Month, and that is what is being celebrated around the world. And uh, our guest is uh, Mama Ashantua Archangid, who's the director of the Institute of Africology. And we are just looking at who we are as Africans, our diversity, our beauty, but also ensuring that we also uphold our heritage and our history and knowledge. The number to interact with us on is 011-714-2006 or you can SMS on 41391. I see you've sent some WhatsApps. We'll get to them on 0614-104-107. Tweet at SFM Radio and at Patricia N. Dooley. Still continuing with our conversation with Mama Shantiwa. Uh, Mama, are you back on the line with us? I am back. I'm sorry I did not hear Aisha's question. Uh, she's still on. Let's uh, let's go back to her. Aisha, thank you for your patience. Okay. Um, Mama, I sent you, uh, you are food for my soul. You you <laughs> have it exactly. Uh, that's one. Then I would just like to add something there for the parents. It's in the being and the doing in your daily life. You have to live your culture because children don't do what you say, they, they do what you do. And, and, and just to add the, uh, about the, the previous co- uh, uh, caller that said about the formal education. Indigenous e- education is experiential. So our children have a different way of learning. They learn through experience and by doing. Okay. That's I agree with I you, Sister Aisha. To... Eh? I agree 100% with you. It I has to be experiential. Um, it has to be something that they can use for their livelihood, you know. It can't just be you read out of a book. And one of the young people are saying that I've read for 12 years I'm at a university where nothing that I've read is useful to me at university. Exactly. Thank you very much, Aisha. Okay. Excellent. Let me go to John, who's also been patiently holding. Good evening, John. Good evening, Patricia, and dear to your so to say colleague. 
<laughs> but Teresa, um, to me, you know, about this um, decolorization, I can't understand, you know, we in South Africa are a nation of many tongues and colors, you know, but the important thing to me is this, our children, understand, and our adults, you know, have a future, because why the people that pass on, we can't live or speak for them, as they say, dead men can't talk. But what I want to ask Mama is this, why is that stigma? I call it a stigma because they say it's, we are rainbow color nation, but I never saw black or white colors in the rainbow. That is a stigma. And another thing is this, I think we mustn't only talk about the black people, the black people. We should talk about South Africans, which include all of us. And look at the people flooding into South Africa, because South Africa is actually the land of milk and honey. So we must also prepare for those people if we truly have love for our neighbor. So South Africa, every African, we need love for one another. So Patricia, God bless you, man. And Mama, never let the devil stress you. Be of good courage. Amen. Bye-bye. Thank you very much, John. Mama Shantua. Um, John is of the opinion that we should not be uh, looking at uh, black history or always talking black, but we should rather look at South African history. What's your stance on that? Uh, my brother, John, thank you for the blessing. I have no time for the devil, and the devil can't find me because, you know, we're so steep in what we are trying to do, which is liberating the minds of Africans that we have no time for the devil. But but what I want to say to you, I'm unapologetic, that for a thousand years, black people, African people on the African continent has been given a hard plate to eat from. And so in order to unravel that, my brother John, we have to be very honest. The majority of the people here on the continent are people who are what we call of a melanin, a deep melanin texture. And I know and I agree with you, my brother, that the rainbow is another is for another discussion. I think let's do that in September. But for now, um, because of what has been done to the colored community, black communities, we have to be deliberate because we know what has been done. So to try and not remember our people who have suffered, that we can sit here tonight to speak about what, what we want and what we desire it is as a result of what they had to go through, what they had to be resilient against, you know, and, and we are still facing some of that. So I am unapologetic, my sister queen, that it is the black people of Africa and the diaspora who must be given the time and their way to be able to heal from a thousand years of trauma. We see violence in our communities that was learned because our countries, our, our continent, the first thing that was happening was violence. They didn't come here with peace. They came here in a violent pursuit of making sure that they could conquer the land. So I'm unapologetic about that, and I'm doing this for my children. I'm doing this for my children, my grandchildren, and my great-grandchildren, because I am hoping that when my grandchildren and great-grandchildren come around, they will not have this discussion about 
who is an African, um, where are we in the rainbow, you know, things like that. You belong to the continent of Africa, and you must claim your place boldly and courageously and not try to please other people by saying, oh, let's forget about what happened in the past. That, that, that is rubbish. We will never, we will never forget that we were the people for a thousand years that went into slavery, that went into deep imperialism, that children were taken from the continent and scattered around the world to build the new world. So to ask us not to remember is actually a part of colonialism and a part of white supremacist behavior towards a race of people, by the way, who are not entirely innocent, but the history and the written text tells us that there is more trauma that has been done to the people of the black, so-called black race, that needs to be undone, and we have to be deliberate in the healing of this trauma, my sister. You know, uh, Mama Shantua, when you when when we speak African and you say we should not be apologetic, and if you are African, you should know that you should claim your place in the continent of Africa. Now, there's a question here that always um, brings up a lot of discussion in South Africa um, amongst Black people and coloured people. And this WhatsApp here that comes from our A teamer is is it, it touches my heart because she's speaking or he's speaking from there. Uh, uh, point of view. They come in anonymously and say, Patricia, just a question that's very close to my heart regarding Afrocology. Do colored people also see themselves as black in this program? As colored people in the UK get acknowledged as black, it's just a question. I feel the colored people in our country get all over the show, overlooked, even our government uh, pages uh, gets to call them black and white and colored people. It doesn't get mentioned. Um, so in terms of African month, where do colored people fit in? With no hard feelings, she continues, the person continues, with no hard feelings. Um, I, and I'm speaking as a person who was born from a colored father and my mother is black, but I was born very light skinned and I've got colored looking hair. But I am grateful because, you know, I know that I've got African blood. But I it says, Ish sana. So, so, so this is a debate that we as South Africans have. The rest of the world really doesn't have this debate. Uh, well, I mean, the, the anonymous who wrote obviously is one of the key people in this narrative of, of the colored and black, you know. And having lived around South Africa for a while, you know, in the Cape Town, I lived uh, and worked in Westbury, Eldorado Park. The question I ask is ask yourself the question, who colored you? And when you answer that question, who colored you? Because, you know, we, we, we have to remember that there were segregational words given to certain people. And that is why even amongst Pan-Africanists, the word black is also being contested because, again, we're saying you know, um, well, who gave us that name? Because when we look at history, we were neither black colored nor, you know, brown. So, so, so what, what I say to, and by the way, a lot of the, the, the young people that I work with are from so-called colored communities in KZN. 
So we have brought them back into that thing because we want Africans, especially South Africans, to claim the continent they belong to. You belong to... The, the, the problem, Patricia, that people have in their head is that you're a minority in the scheme of things. In Africa, when you check the 53 countries, there are more black African people in the whole continent. And so we know that the continent is not a rainbow continent, is not a brown continent. The continent is known as an African continent. Mama Shantua, so, Mama Shantua mm-hmm. unfortunately, I need to go to the news and I'd love to thank you immensely for this discussion. And I'm sure we're going to have many more around this particular discussion. And can I just close with each one, teach one. Let us teach people about the positive side of who we are as Africans and stop just being victims of this this thing. We have to teach our children that we were resilient and we resisted and we are still resisting and we are still resilient. Does Africology have uh, social media pages or a website? Yes, we are on Instagram, Africology One. We have a website, www.instituteofafricology.org. We have our, our Facebook which is Africology One also, we, we, we exist and we have a myriad of young people from all over the continent and the African diaspora who are involved with the work of Africology. Missy Medasi Mama, thank you very much. Medasi Ayiko. It's time for us to go to Zolega Kodashe with the final news bulletin for the evening. Zolega, this is our Friday girl. Hi.